Good morning, Bryansburg. It is good to see you on this Sunday morning, and we come together for one purpose, and that is to worship our risen Savior, Jesus Christ. And we are so glad that you have joined us today. For those of you joining us through television, I want to welcome you in Facebook Live. Uh, those of you on Facebook Live, I want to remind you to put your name there in the comment section. That helps us to connect with you and, and uh, for you to be able to connect with us, maybe with prayer needs. And so uh, we're very glad to have you with us this morning. And for those of you, this may be your first opportunity to be with us here at Brinesburg. We want to welcome you. I'm Brother Brad Walker. I'm the pastor here at Brinesburg Baptist Church, and we are so glad that you've joined us in worship today. And there should be a little white card in the pew in front of you, and uh, we'd love for you to take that out and fill it out, and then place it in the offering plate on the large round table out in the foyer as you're leaving. Uh, we want you to do that. We want to know your attendance, but more importantly, we want to know how we can pray for you and how we can minister to you and your family, and we are so very glad that you have joined us today in worship. Again, we do have a lot going on uh, as we enter into the fall. It seems like this is the time of the year uh, where everything starts happening, and it all starts happening on the same day. Uh, but we are uh, glad to be able to do ministry in so many different areas. Uh, I do want to remind you right after the service this morning, if uh, you are a parent of a youth, a grandparent of the youth, if you're the person who brings a youth to church, okay, uh, we want you to stay after, and we're going to be having a luncheon for our student ministry that is sixth through 12th grade and their parents, grandparents, again, whoever is responsible for getting them here to Brinesford Baptist Church. And uh, we're going to fellowship and we're going to have lunch, but more importantly, we're going to talk more about our ministry and uh, what there is to offer uh, here on uh, Sunday mornings and Sunday nights and Wednesday nights and even beyond that, the ways for them to plug in and to be discipled and uh, to be given opportunities to do ministry and missions uh, as students. And so uh, we hope that you will stay for that. And we got plenty of food. I mean, plenty of food. There's a ton of food over there. And so uh, we want you to stay and be a part of that uh, and, and uh, make, make that a special time today for your family. Also want to remind you of the deacon ordination coming uh, tonight. That is for Ricky Moore and Danny Simmons. And I know you want to encourage those men, but also what a special time in the life of our church. And so we want you to be here for that time tonight at 6 o'clock. And then for those, uh, if you have kids that have been in the greatest journey, um, because of the deacon ordination tonight, they're not going to be having their session to uh, practice for their graduation next Sunday night. And so if you can bring them at 6 o'clock Wednesday night, they want to go over the stuff they're going to be doing Sunday night and make sure that they're ready for that. And then that leads into next Sunday night at 6 o'clock, we'll be having our graduation for the greatest journey. Um, and again, this has been our children's opportunity to go through all the curriculum uh, that all the kids that they're making these boxes for around the world go through. For them to hear the gospel in the way those kids that they're making boxes for are getting to hear the gospel. And so they're going to be graduating from that program next Sunday night. Everything for that will be over in the activity center. And we'll be over there having the whole service. will be our kids kind of leading and, and sharing what they've learned and doing songs. And so uh, we're looking forward to that. And then immediately after that, we'll have some fe fellowship time and then uh, have our business meeting in here uh, after all of that. So it'll be a busy time next Sunday night, but looking forward to all the Lord has for us. Again, there's a lot going on, so uh, look at all those things that pertain to you and to your family. Um, again, we do have many on our prayer list and certainly do want to remember all of these and remember uh, those that uh, you've mentioned inside of your Sunday school classes. Uh, but we also want to make sure that we focus on the lost. Uh, we talk about our one, and you know who your one is, and we want to pray that the Lord might give us opportunities to share with our one, uh, to be able to have gospel conversations, to invite them to church and to see 
uh, the Lord work in a mighty way that there might be a great harvest in the days to come. So let's go to the Lord in prayer together. Lord, Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning and we thank you. We thank you for the opportunity to come together and to worship. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to be able to lift up our voices, to lift up our hearts to you in praise. Lord, to be able to spend time in the study of your word and to know you're going to correct us in some places, you're going to encourage us in some places, but we know that we're going to leave this place equipped and knowing that we've met with you today. And so, Lord, I pray that you might do a mighty work. And if there's even one here that doesn't yet know you, a Savior and Lord, that today might be a day of salvation for them. Lord, it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. There's a chorus that says, we bring the sacrifice of praise. This song here says we bring an offering of worship as we worship our Lord this morning. The sun cannot compare to the glory of your love. There is no shadow in your presence. No more man will dare to stand before you. This morning as we gather together and as we get ready to spend this time in prayer at the altar, we remember what took place 21 years years ago today. We remember the way that all of our lives and the life of our nation in general changed forever. And we remember that the Lord has brought us a long way. The Lord has allowed us to have access to share the gospel in some ways that we might not have known before. And so we thank the Lord for 
the opportunities we've had to share the gospel, but we also want to remember all the lives that were lost and pray that the Lord might allow us to see unity uh, like we saw 21 years ago uh, when we as a nation actually came together. And I think we all agree that that's what we need. Uh, we need to come together and we need to recognize that Jesus is Lord, he is king, and he deserves all the honor and the glory and the praise. And so this morning, I know there are many needs within our nation. I know there's a lot of division, but the answer is Jesus. We know that he is the answer, and we know that we are the ones with that gospel message that he has called us to take from our neighborhoods into our state, our nation, and around the world. And so this morning, I know there are many needs on hearts, and I want to give you the opportunity to come to this altar and I want to give you the opportunity to spend some time, just you and the Lord. Maybe you want to bring a friend or a family member, and you want to pray for a loved one that needs to know Christ. You want to pray about a health issue, a relationship that's broken. Uh, we want to give you that opportunity this morning. And so with every head bowed, with all eyes closed, the altar is open at this time. Let's spend time with the Lord in prayer together. Heavenly Father, as we come before you today, we thank you for the opportunity to come and to worship. Lord, we thank you for the freedoms that are found here in this nation. Lord, we thank you for those who have fought for those freedoms, who have laid down their lives. And Lord, we remember the families of the lives lost in 2001. Lord, we remember those families where a mom or a dad didn't come home. And Lord, we pray that you might continue to comfort those families even today. Lord, continue to help us to share the, the gospel, that gospel message that you are the answer. Lord, that in all the pain and all the hurt of this life and all that doesn't make sense, Lord, that you are still the constant. You are the rock. And so, Lord, I pray for salvation. Even today, in this place, Lord, for those watching on television, for those watching on Facebook Live, that they would recognize that there is only one way to salvation, and that is through Jesus, through a personal love relationship with you. So, Lord, stir our hearts today that we might recognize that. And for those of us who have that relationship, Lord, help us to stir our hearts that we would share it with the world around us. To your honor and glory. Lord, we love you. To Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's all stand together this worship song. Robin's Day. Together as we worship him. Holy is the Lord.
the tomb of Buddha, looked inside and saw his bones, traveled on to see Mohammed, still wrapped up in his grave clothes. Then I journey to a garden where old Joseph left him laid. The precious lamb, God's own begotten, was no longer in that grave. If you knew him like I know him, you would know that he's alive. If you felt him like I feel him, resurrection deep inside. And death has died. 
If you're wandering in the darkness, come and step into the light. Nail-scarred hands reach out to help you, to pull you safe from death to life. Friend, I too have stood where you stand. Could I trust in things unseen? Just one step in his direction. Then in love he ran to me. If you knew him like I know him, you would know that he's alive. If you felt him like I feel him, resurrection deep inside. Maybe I should just give the invitation. Amen. Nah, you're not getting off that easy. No. This morning, if you will, turn with me to Matthew. As we continue through this journey, Matthew chapter 22, a fairly familiar passage of Scripture, I think, for most of you. As we look at the marriage supper of the Lamb, as we look at this parable of the, of the feast, and it's been looked at a lot of different ways, but I want us to look a little differently at it uh, this morning, maybe, than you've looked at it in the past. And that is what we're going to be wearing. Are you wearing your best dress? As we turn there to Matthew chapter 22, let's go together to the Lord in prayer. Lord, Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you so much for the way that you have already just moved in our hearts in such a powerful way. Lord, you have stirred our spirits as we have lifted up our hearts to you in praise. 
Lord, as we have been reminded of who you are. You are the resurrection and the life. And Lord, outside of a relationship with you, there is no hope of salvation. There is no hope of heaven. And so, Lord, we thank you today. We thank you today for that day when we will all be gathered around that table on a great homecoming day. And we recognize that there's only one way we're going to be there. And Lord, I pray that saved and lost alike will, will recognize in a new and a fresh way this morning that there is only one way to be around that table. And that is a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, that there's not enough head knowledge about the Bible to get us there. There's not enough good works in this world. There's not enough religious behavior that it is only through a relationship with the risen Lord that we will be around that table. And Lord, that requires us wearing your righteousness. And so Lord, today, I pray that you would stir our hearts. I pray for my friends. Some are young, some are middle-aged, some are old. I know they're lost. I know they don't yet have a relationship with you. And today, I pray that they would stop putting it off and making excuses. And I pray that today would be the day of salvation for them. To your honor and to your glory. Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please stand with me in honor of the reading of God's word. Familiar passage, Matthew chapter 22. And we're going to look at verses 1 through 14. And Jesus answered and he spake unto them again by parables. And he said, The kingdom of heaven is like unto a certain king, which made a marriage for his son. And he sent forth his servants to call them that were bidden to the wedding. And they would not come. Again he sent forth other servants, saying, Tell them which are bidden, Behold, I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and my fatlings are killed, and all things are ready. Come unto the marriage. But they made light of it, and they went their way, one to his farm, another to his merchandise. And the remnant took his servants and entreated them spitefully, and they slew them. But when the king heard, therefore, he was wroth, and he sent forth his armies, and he destroyed those murderers, and he burned up their city. And then saith he to his servants, The wedding is ready, but they which were bidden were not worthy. Go you therefore into the highways, and as many as ye shall find, bid them to the marriage. So those servants went out into the highways and gathered together all as many as they found, both bad and good, and the wedding was furnished with guests. And when the king came in to see the guests, he saw there a man which had not a wedding garment. And he said unto him, Friend, how camest thou to hither not having a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then said the king to his servants, Bind him hand and foot, and take him away, and cast him into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. You may be seated. I wonder how many of you have ever been to a really fancy wedding. Anybody ever been to a really fancy wedding? Like a, a fa I mean, what I'm talking about is I'm talking about a wedding where all the men are wearing those suits that you can't get around here, you know? Those suits with the pocket squares. I don't know what you're supposed to do with that thing. I've never worn one, but they look nice. But I mean, these men are dressed. They got, they got their shoes shined. They got, they got the look. And then you see all the ladies at this event are wearing the finest dress with the high heels 
And this is the kind of wedding where those ladies, they've gotten that jewelry out that only comes out of that box, you know, that's on the dresser every now and then. That's the jewelry they're wearing. They're done up. They're, they're ready for this, for this event. I'm talking about a wedding where they make it very clear on the invitation that blue jeans and cowboy boots are not proper attire. Many of us have never been to a wedding like that. But that's the wedding we're talking about. And then imagine your embarrassment to arrive at such a wedding wearing shorts and a t-shirt and your very best pair of Crocs. I'm afraid you would not be admitted. You would likely never even approach the wedding venue. But if you did, you would not be invited in until you went back and put on the proper attire. Until you had on a better dress. Now, if you happen to be an invited guest, if you happen to be an invited guest, if you happen to be an honored guest at such a wedding, many times it's likely that they would already have a tuxedo for the men who showed up at that wedding. They would already have a fine gown at the wedding for those ladies because their desire for you to join them in the celebration is so great. That's the context that we're thinking about in this parable this morning. Jesus here, he is painting a picture of the rejection of the nation of Israel to Messiah. He warns them of their certain doom, which we see uh, fulfilled in A.D. 70. And he also tells them of his intention to fill the Father's house with people other than themselves. The king in in this parable sends his servants out to find other guests to come into the wedding celebration. He, He wants his banquet hall to be filled, whoever it may be. And they gather to themselves together. The king says, bring all in. Bring all in to this this wedding. You see, the Lord intends for them to be there. He he intends for heaven to be filled with the redeemed from the earth. And only those who have a personal love relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ are going to be admitted into heaven. Only they will be able to be around that table. And the Bible tells us that when the redeemed of the Lord gather together in, in heaven, that there will be a marriage. There will be time of celebration known as the marriage supper of the Lamb there in Revelation chapter 19, verses 7 through 9. There has been a, a lot of preaching about that event, in a, and it stirs our hearts to think about that great homecoming day and that great time of, of fellowship with our, our Lord, most importantly, but also with loved ones. Well, let's face it, the Bible doesn't really say a lot about the marriage supper of the Lamb with specifics. But one thing that is noteworthy, I believe, that it does say is found there in verse 8. It tells us the people involved in this heavenly celebration are going to be dressed in pure white garments. It is the garment that we will focus on together this morning. And as we look at the events of this parable and at the fact that those who are saved by grace will enjoy a great homecoming day in heaven, that they will be dressed in the white at, at the marriage supper of the Lamb. It seems to me that the garment is of the utmost importance, that it's mentioned the way it is. There's something that Lord wants us to see here. When it comes time for a wedding, it seems from the Bible that you must be dressed properly or you will not be admitted. Now, I want you to understand, both young and old alike, that eternity 
is coming for all of us. Eternity is coming, and your life will not last forever on this earth. We won't always be here. And you need to be certain that you will be wearing the best dress at the end of this life. Today I want to ask the question, are you wearing your best dress? And as I do, I want you to listen to the word of God. I want, to, I want you to allow the Lord to speak to your heart this morning. And if you find that you are clothed in the rags of sin or the, the, the filthy claws of, of, of self-righteousness this morning, then I, I want you to respond to the Lord and I want you to allow him to have his way in your life today. I don't want you to be distracted by the person sitting to your left or to your right, in front or behind. Try to focus this morning. Allow the spirit to move in your heart and in your life. So look at with me at verses 9 through 10. And we see the availability of the garment. It is available to all. Let me say that again for those in the back. It is available to all. The king sends his servants into the highways, literally the wide places, the, the plazas, wherever the people were gathered. And he says, whoever you find there, whoever, whoever is gathered there, whoever happens to be around, I want you to go and find them. He wasn't concerned about their character. He wasn't concerned about their past, about their social standing, about their abilities, about their popularity, or any other consideration. He just wanted whoever would, whoever would, to come to the wedding celebration. This is a picture of what the Lord has done for us in his plan of salvation. When the Lord formulated his plan of salvation, he prepared a way, and it was open to all men, to all women, to all boys, to all girls, to, to all nations, to all nationalities, to everyone. If you will come, he says, come. He wants you to come. He wants you to come to him. God's plan is available to whosoever will simply stated the plan of salvation and the garment of righteousness is available to anyone here this morning who truly desires a relationship with Christ who recognizes you can't do it yourself and you want to follow him but look at verse 9 it is available by invitation you say you just said anybody could come yes Notice that the king sent out his servants to invite people to the wedding. And again, that picture is the picture of salvation. And while anyone can be saved by grace of God, anyone can be saved by him. It doesn't matter where you come from, what you look like, what you've got in your pocket. Before anyone can be saved, though, listen to me this morning. You must be called by the Lord. The Holy Spirit must move on your heart or you will not be saved. You must be convicted by the Holy Spirit, in other words. You can only be saved when the Lord is dealing with your heart. Times for a Baptist church, and a lot of you came your first Sunday packed in in a, you know, in a, in a baby carrier. A lot of us have been here a really long time. Maybe not just at Brinesburg, but some other church. And you've been in church your whole life, and you need to hear something this morning. Many people feel convicted by their sins 
But listen, they put God off till another day. I'm going to have plenty of opportunities. I go to church every Sunday. They believe that they will be saved, but they will do it on their schedule when they are ready. Not so. That is not how it works. It's not on our schedule, it's on his. The only time that anyone can ever be saved is when the Lord is dealing with one's heart to be saved. And that is the danger that we see here. God has promised to deal with all men. He's going to give an opportunity for people to come to know him. He's going to give an opportunity. However, he does not promise to call them repeatedly forever and ever and ever. There will come a day after the Spirit of God has been turned away for so many times when the Lord will no longer deal with a lost heart. And if a person fails to respond to the call of the Lord for salvation, there is always that danger of stepping over God's deadline and condemning one's soul to hell, of saying no to, to God so many times that he says, you know what, I, I, I'm, I'm not going to force you anymore. If you don't want a relationship with me, then you won't have a relationship with me. And if the Lord has been calling you to be saved time and time and time again, if every time you come to Brian's for Baptist Church, if every time you come to a service, you're feeling conviction of the Holy Spirit, and you're saying another day, another day, another day, what do you think the Lord thinks about the treatment that you're giving to his invitation to come to know him, of what he has done for you at the cross of Calvary, what, what he did for you when he paid your sin debt by dying on the cross for your sins. What do you think he thinks about that? Do now what the Lord's calling you to do. While there's still time, get it right. Only a relationship with Christ will allow you to be around that table. But secondly, look with me at the second part of verse 10. We see the acceptance of the garment. It was common in the first century at weddings involving the wealthy, especially, to provide each of the guests with a white wedding garment. And when the guests accepted the invitation, they would be given that garment. At the point in time when they accepted the invitation, they received the garment. And they would then wear that wedding garment when the proper day for the wedding arrived. But they were given it as soon as they accepted the invitation. And again, what a picture of salvation. Do you, hopefully you're ahead of me here and you know where this is going. I hope you understand the picture that is being painted here. The day a person accepts the Lord's invitation of Jesus Christ and a relationship with him for salvation, that person at that moment, at that time, they receive the robe of righteousness. At that moment. And that is, their sins are forever forgiven. At that moment, they are at that moment justified by faith at that moment. That is, their sins are forgiven. And God sees them as, he sees his son, Jesus Christ. They are considered to be righteous, sinless, perfect, because of the shed blood of Jesus. Paul referred to this idea in Philippians 3, 8, and 9. It's what he's talking about. The wedding garment is given to every believer at the instant of conversion, and it is worn by every believer at all times. There are four truths about the garment that we need to understand and consider this morning. First of all, it is received by faith. The way to get the wedding garment is by simple faith. By simple faith, it is given to those who place their faith in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone for their salvation. No one will ever get their wedding garment by being religious. No one will ever get this, this wedding garment by being a good person. 
It will be given only when a sinner places their faith in the atoning work of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is relational, okay? Head knowledge doesn't do it. It is relational. You must be in a relationship with Jesus Christ. And you know if you are or if you are not this morning. But also, it is totally free. It is totally free. The garment cannot be purchased at any price. You didn't go and you didn't say, well, here, here's this amount of money. I want an invitation to the wedding. That's not how it works. It is received only when faith in the gospel message has been exercised. You see, it does not matter how much, it does not matter how little money or resources a person may or may not have at their fingertips this morning. I don't care what is, is or is not in your bank account this morning. All that matters to have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ is faith. Will you repent of your sins and put your faith in Jesus? When a person receives Jesus Christ, God gives them the wedding garment at that very moment. Salvation cannot be purchased. It is the gift of God, not by works, lest any man should boast. But also we see it is, it is a proper fit. <clears throat> It's a proper fit. Now, how many of you have problems with a proper fit when it comes to wedding attire? I don't know what has happened over the last few years, but I don't know if it's our house now or what, but all my suits have shrunk. I don't know if it's a new closet or what, but every one of them, there's a lot of effort that is now going into putting a suit on on Sunday morning. Uh, and, 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 you know, I guess as we get over the age of 40, that happens more and more. It gets more and more difficult to fit in to our clothing properly. However, the wedding garment given by the Lord, listen to this. Isn't this another great reason to go to heaven? It's going to fit perfectly. Our clothes, this garment, is going to fit perfectly. And I guess that's because we have a resurrected body and we're not going to have the, you know, the Baptist 40, 50, 60 pounds on us. But... It's going to fit properly. That is awesome. I'm so glad to hear that. It fits the young and it fits the old. It fits the rich. It fits the poor. It fits the educated. It fits the uneducated. It fits the, the short. It fits the tall. It fits us all. God's wedding garment fits every life and it fits perfectly. Salvation is a perfect fit. And it is a perfect fit for everyone. And that's my promise to you this morning. Salvation is a perfect fit. No one has ever been made worse off because they received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. No life has ever been ruined because they had a personal relationship with the King of Glory. In fact, every life that has ever truly been touched by, by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, by His power, has been far different and far greater in, in influence and purpose than it ever could have been without a relationship with Jesus. Yes, He changes our lives. Things are going to be different after you enter into a relationship with him. I guarantee it. But always for the better. None ever found that the Lord didn't fit their life. Those who say that they tried it and failed never had it to begin with. They had a counterfeit. And I, I, I've never liked a counterfeit. You know, I, I, don't, I don't like going and finding out that the you know, coupon I have doesn't work because it was a counterfeit or whatever else. It's not worth anything. The true thing always is great. Salvation fits every life and it fits perfectly. But also, it is approved by the Father. Notice the king came in and he saw a man without the wedding garment. And he was forced out. 
he was rejected by the king. The garment was a requirement to be in the presence of the king and to attend this wedding. And so the same is true when it comes to the garment of salvation. To be without one is to face the heavenly father and to face him unprepared. However, every person that is clothed in the garment of, of the son's righteousness will be accepted by the father in heaven. Isn't it interesting that religion won't get you there? And good works won't get you there. Being good won't get you there. Being kind won't get you there. The only thing that will clothe you in such a way to make you pleasing in the sight of the Lord is for you to receive Jesus Christ as Savior and for him to clothe you in his righteousness. Again, I can't tell you this enough. Salvation is not about head knowledge. So many of you, both young and old alike, you've got all the head knowledge. I can't tell you anything you don't know. You know it all. You, you've had the gospel preached to you since you were little. But it's not about head knowledge. Do you have a relationship with Jesus? Do you know him and does he know you? That's what truly matters. Are you wearing that garment this morning? Are you... Are you clothed in his righteousness? You see, because when the saints arrive in heaven, we won't be admitted on the basis of what we did or did not do. This is not a performance review. That's not what this is. We will be admitted purely based on how we are attired, on what we're wearing. It's been said that the clothes make the man. And I've known some who have preached that you got to wear certain things to church and and look a certain way whether there's a lot of merit to that i don't know it's debatable but i do know one thing about heaven it's going to matter how we're dressed in heaven it's going to matter how we're how we're dressed when we leave this life when we leave this world it's going to matter what what kind of attire we're wearing when we enter into glory if it's the lord's righteousness that only he can give us in a relationship with christ or if it's the filthy rags of our of our trying real hard of our works of our religion of our outward stuff. It's going to be the difference between smoking or non-smoking for eternity of where you're sitting. And so let's get it right. The question will be, do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? Not how many times did you attend Brinesford Baptist Church. The question will be, did you know my son and did my son know you? Not how many times were you baptized or how many times did you walk an aisle? Did you know Jesus, and does Jesus know you? You can only be clothed in righteousness. You can only be clothed in the righteousness that only comes from Jesus Christ in a relationship with him. So what kind of garment are you wearing this morning? But also look at verse 11. We see the ability of the garment. It changes one's appearance. In modern weddings today, the bride does her very best to stand out um, from everyone else at the wedding that's why you know ladies don't wear you know a big white dress to a wedding and try to upstage the bride that's not that's not very nice okay we're not supposed to do that however in the first century everyone looked the same at these weddings they all wore the same type of garment and they were all identically dressed and so it is with salvation when a person comes to Jesus to be saved he changes them completely externally internally and eternally 
So great is that change that even the Lord never sees that person the same ever again. They're different in the eyes of God himself. He looks at them through the filter of the blood of Jesus and declares them to be justified and righteous in his sight. And when we are wearing the wedding garment, they are clean in the sight of the Lord. He doesn't see any of the mess of our life that the world may see. He sees us pure and clean and righteous. But also it covers one's appearance. When the people were found properly, uh, probably some were really dirty. <laughs> think about where, think where we sent these servants. I mean, he didn't send them to the very best places, I'm sure. He's just wherever they could go. And so a lot of them may have, have been beggars, and they were probably dressed in what we would refer to as rags today. Some may have been wealthy. They may have had all the finery and luxury of, of the day. And yet, whatever their appearance, when he called them, he puts this wedding garment upon them, and it covers everything, no matter how good or bad the world may have seen it. It covered it all. So gone was the filth, gone was the ugliness, gone were the rags, gone was anything that, that anyone could brag about. All that could be seen was the white cleanness of the wedding garment. And the Bible tells us that our own righteousness is nothing but filthy rags. And sadly, many are blind to their true condition. However, when a person takes his or her faith in Jesus for salvation, they are covered by his righteousness. And all the filth and all the rags, all the ugliness of their sin is forever covered by the blood of Jesus and by the grace of God. Thank God when we are saved, we are seen as clean in the sight of God. Not by our works and not by our goodness, but by the grace of Almighty God. How are you dressed this morning? What are you trusting in for your eternity? But lastly, look with me at verses 12 through 14. And we see the absence of the garment. After the guests arrived for the wedding, the king saw a man who had no wedding garment on. This event produces three great reactions that need to be considered this morning. I want you to understand that if you try to go to heaven without a wedding garment, these things will come to pass in your life as well. First of all, look at verse 12. It will produce a showdown. It'll produce a showdown. When the king saw the man without a garment, he confronts him about it. And listen to me this morning, my friends. Everyone in this room needs to remember that there will come a day when every one of us, every one of us, is going to face God one-on-one. For the saved, I praise the Lord, it is going to take place at the judgment seat of Christ. But for the lost, that dreadful day will be at the great white throne judgment. And every person who lived and died without a wedding garment will have to stand before the Lord and give account for the life and the deeds on their own. Look, also look at verse 12 and see it will produce shock. See, when the man saw that he was not hidden from the king, the Bible says that he was speechless. That is, he made no excuse for his condition. He offered no apologies because he couldn't. There was no way to explain this away. The bottom line is, is that when he was confronted with the truth, there was not much that he could say about his condition. And this is what will happen to those who die without Jesus. When they face the Lord in judgment, they will stand unable to plead their case before him 
because he knows their heart already. There's nothing they're going to be able to say. Many are deceived about their condition, but there is a great need to be sure. No excuse is going to suffice. No appeal will be heard. No promise will be heeded. Listen to me. On that day, it'll be too late to repent. Repentance is going to fall on deaf ears at that time. What a shock to find that the one who could have saved you has now become your judge. The time to be saved is now, my friend. The time to enter into this relationship is now. There's no reason good enough to put it off another day. And then look at verse 13. It will produce shame. The man in the parable was cast out into utter darkness, it says. And of course, when we read that, we know exactly what it's talking about. It's speaking of hell. Every person who leaves this world clothed in their sins and not in righteousness of Jesus Christ, they're going to spend an eternity in hell, apart from the Lord who died for them and made a way for their salvation. That's an awful place. But it is the destination for every lost soul this morning. There's no longer going to be any excuse. There's no longer going to be anything to say. There will be no greater shame than being forever cast away from the presence of the Lord. So what's going to happen when you die? What are you going to be wearing on that day? Are you dressed in the best for the wedding this morning? You ask, Brother Brad, how do I know? How do I know? I've always been so confused. How do I know? It all depends on what you have done with Jesus. And again, if you're trusting in head knowledge, and you're tr- if you're trusting in something you've done, but you know, brother, brother, I walked the aisle, I prayed what the pastor told me to pray, I was baptized, I think I checked all the boxes, I think I'm good. Do you have a relationship with Jesus? Do you have a personal love relationship with Jesus? Regardless of all the religious stuff you may have done and all the boxes you think you've checked, do you know Jesus? Do you know him? Does he know you? Can you talk to him and know you're talking to him? Is it the most intimate relationship in all your life? Because if there's any question this morning, if there's any question this morning on what you're going to be wearing on that day, get it right. You need a relationship with Jesus. Nothing else is going to suffice. Would you put on the proper garment today by repenting of sin, trusting on Jesus, and beginning the relationship that will change everything to his honor and glory? Lord, help me, Father, this morning as our musicians come. Lord, I thank you. I thank you that it is not about what we can do, but it is about what you have done. And in a relationship with you, Lord, that we can have eternal life and that we can put on that precious white garment that allows us to be righteous in the sight of our Father. Only because of what you have done for us, Jesus. And this morning, I know I've got some friends. I know some of them are are children. Some of them are youth. Some of them are adults. Some of them are senior adults. And they've done a lot of good things. And they know a lot of biblical facts, but they do not have a relationship with Jesus. 
Lord, make that crystal clear to them this morning and help them to come and help them to say yes to a relationship with the Lord. Lord, I know there are many things that can keep us from coming. Oh, it's too far down there. It's, it's a day when there's a lot of people here. There, there, there's a lot going on after church. There's a million excuses, but none of them are going to suffice as they stand before you. So, Lord, give them peace. Help them to know that they need to repent of sin. They need to come to you by faith. Lord, just help them to come. To your honor and to your glory, Lord. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we stand, as we sing, would you come? Come, every soul, my sin.